0: Lord, for thy grace, that we thy dwelling place may be.
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21 year book by book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This life study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The children of Israel were already in degradation when 10 of the 12 tribes separated following the leadership of Jeroboam. This act of division was further compounded when they established an alternate place of worship far from Jerusalem in the northern region of Dan. The result was two kingdoms under two kings, fully breaking the principle of oneness that the Lord had established for them in Deuteronomy chapter 12 when he declared time after time that his choice was Jerusalem and that all the children of Israel must come uniquely to Jerusalem to present their offerings and worship Jehovah. But two of the tribes under the kingship of Rehoboam, Solomon's son, remained faithful to God's command and kept Jerusalem and the temple as their center. And though this pleased Jehovah and preserved a measure of blessing upon them, still the Lord was strict and willing to discipline both the kings and the people whenever their hearts strayed from him and the law of Moses that he had commanded them to keep. Ed Marks is with us once again as we come back to fellowship in the life study of Second Chronicles today. Good to have you back, Ed. Interesting here, isn't it, that the Lord cares very much about the proper standing in the way of the people keeping the ground that he had established.
0: Yes, Chris, and we see this in the Old Testament. And Chris, again and again, you'll remember the Lord mentions the sin of Jeroboam. And this sin, as you pointed out, is the sin of division. Jerusalem kept the oneness of all the children of Israel because they were required to go there three times a year to worship the Lord. And that worship center with the temple in Jerusalem that was what kept them one. Yeah. And Jerusalem, when you come to the New Testament, eventually the Bible concludes with the New Jerusalem. And what is the New Jerusalem? The New Jerusalem is a person. The New Jerusalem is the bride of Christ, the wife of the Lamb. Hmm. And these are all God's children who have been fully transformed and glorified in the oneness of the Spirit, So, see, in the New Testament, we need to do all that we can. We need to be diligent, as Ephesians 4 says, to keep the oneness of the Spirit. So in that oneness, we enjoy Christ, we're filled with Christ, and then we get prepared to be the bride of Christ, his wife, for eternity. So, Chris, when we're talking about this and God's desire for all the children of God to be one, as he prayed in John 17, Mm -hmm. We are touching God's heart's desire. So this is very critical, and I believe this program will really enlighten us and help us practically in our Christian life so we can cooperate with God to carry out his heart's desire to build up the body of Christ and to prepare
1: us to be the bride of Christ. Ed, we have, in a sense, two main burdens or points of direction in the program today. Number one is that God required, as we've just been talking, that the people maintain their standing on the proper truths that the Lord had revealed. And in this case, that entailed their remaining faithful to the principle of Jerusalem being their center. But we also see in the Lord's dealings with the kings that he cared very much about uh, the smaller things, even the details in their daily walk and their living. And uh, this is equally important, isn't it, as it has a connection and shows us in type what our enjoyment of Christ will be.
0: Exactly, Chris. There's a New Testament reality to this because the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 17, tells us that we need to reign in the life of Christ in this age. We need to be kings who reign over Satan, sin, and death. If we're going to do this, we need to take care of two things related to the details of our daily life. One thing is in our common daily life, you know, the Lord is concerned that we would give him the preeminence and that we would live him and magnify him in every detail of our life. So Chris, like the book of Philippians, talks about the experience of Christ and how Paul lived Christ, how he magnified Christ, how he pursued Christ, how he gained Christ, how he was forgetting the things behind and stretching forward, you know, so that he could gain more of the territory of Christ for his enjoyment, but here this book in Philippians 2, if you look at verse 14, it says, do all things without murmurings and reasonings. These seem like two small things, but if we murmur, if we complain, if we reason, and we have opinions and doubts about what the Lord is doing and the Lord's words, and we express our opinions and question marks, doubts, murmurings, this can kill our Christian life. So even in in a small thing like this, seemingly so small, something like this can bring a spiritual sickness into our life. So the small details in our daily life where we experience Christ and contact Christ and allow Him to live through us is very critical.
1: Ed, very good setup for what we're going to hear in this first portion today. Witnessly will really touch both of these aspects to some degree, maintaining a proper standing in the way or in the items of the truth. And then also we have to, in in addition, really walk in a way that is faithful to him in the small things that you've just talked about, even, as you said, our murmurings and reasonings. Why don't we join Witness Lee? Then we'll come back and talk some more about the fundamental things of the faith.
2: In the two chronicles, there is such a record showing us how God deals with his people in detail. We have to be very careful to behave ourselves. God is great, but he's also in details, in small details. We may be right in big things, yet we are wrong in small things. In the record of God dealing with these things, God took every detail of their behavior as a reason. Even they were quite small. God came in to discipline them. For what? This is for his people to enjoy the good land that is Christ in a very, very proper way. So... To enjoy the good land, you must stand on the primary ground. And you must be fundamental, keeping the very faith given by God through Moses. And to do the same thing. Today, how many claim to be fundamental, but they are fundamental partially, not in full. Through the years, we have been trying our best, through God's mercy and grace, to be fundamental in full, not just a part.
1: And I felt that we, in our fellowship leading up to Brother Lee's portion there, there was really something covered in a good way, the way you brought out the matter of being faithful in the small things and and working out our salvation in the small things. He ends up here on this matter of the fundamental things. That's really the big-picture items, the critical, foundational, as he says, fundamental things of the faith. Let's talk about those uh, for a minute.
0: Yes, Chris, this is very critical. As you pointed out in the introduction, what we're talking about in the typology is the oneness of God's people. And if you look at Ephesians 4, verse 13, it talks about the oneness of the faith. If we're going to maintain the oneness among all the children of God, then we should keep the oneness of the faith. In Jude, verse 3, Jude says, contend for the faith. The problem throughout the history of the church is that, regretfully, many of God's children have contended for other things other than the basic faith that is common to all Christians. And what is this basic faith? Chris, this is what we need to keep. One is that all Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the infallible Word of God. So, Chris, to be an overcomer is to just say amen to every verse in the Bible and don't try to explain away any verse, and that Word will become your reality. So we believe the Bible is the Word of God. Second, we believe that God is triune. He is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. When we say triune, tri means three, un means one. He is the three, one God. The three of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, they are distinct, but at the same time, they are inseparable. Because, for instance, John fourteen ten, the Lord says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. So the Bible reveals God is triune, and the three of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they eternally coexist and they eternally co inherit which means they mutually indwell one another. So this is the triune God. The third item is the person of Christ. Christ is everything to the believers. In John eight fifty eight, he reveals that he is the I am. What that means is that he is whatever we need. He is the very God. We need to believe in the deity of Christ And we need to believe in all the items of Christ in the New Testament, which show that he is unsearchably rich. Then the fourth item is the work of Christ. The Bible reveals that Christ was incarnated. He passed through human living. He died an all-inclusive death where he terminated every negative thing in the universe. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He redeemed us. He rose from the dead. He became the life-giving spirit. Then he ascended. And now he has a heavenly ministry. He is not only living in us in our spirit, he is also in the heavens. He is ministering himself into us. He is ministering God into his people. So this is the work of Christ. And again, there's a lot here. You could write a book on each of these points. But the fifth point is concerning our basic salvation. And again, all Christians believe these points. In order to be saved eternally, we need to believe in Christ And we need to receive him as our life and our Savior. When we believe in him, when we call on his name, when we repent, when we turn to God, when we ask for the forgiveness of all our sins, he comes into us to be our life and our everything. And we're regenerated. We're born of God. We become sons of God. This is what we believe concerning our salvation. Then the sixth item is concerning the church. All faithful, dedicated Christians believe that the church is the one body of Christ. At the end of Ephesians 1, it says the church, which is his body. Ephesians 4, 4 says there is one body. So in the universe, there's just one body of Christ. There's just one church. When we're regenerated, we all become members of that one body of Christ, that one church. Actually, our membership card is the very Christ who lives in us, who is our life. All Christians believe this, Chris. So this is what we should contend for. And we need to believe the faith and just contend for the faith in all these details. Then the Lord will make us his overcomers. We'll experience him. We'll enjoy him. The church will be built up. We'll keep the oneness among God's people, and we'll be prepared to be the bride of Christ.
1: Ed, in this portion, we want to uh, turn our focus a little bit. Witness Lee is going to relate an experience that he had with Watchman Nee in the early days when Watchman Nee and the co-workers that were with him were uh, traveling around China and preaching the gospel, establishing the churches, and they realized that the believers there even were insufficiently grounded in these basic fundamental truths. And Watchman Nee was very resolute and determined that he would contend and battle and fight for these basic things to help bring the believers into a condition where they could really be built up and grow in life. I think our listeners will enjoy this a lot, and then we'll have a chance from the conclusion of this to talk about this matter we started on the other day, and that is this matter of deification. So uh, let's join Witness
2: Lee. When Brother Lee, Watchman Lee, was raised up by God 72 years ago, she got to know the New Testament so well And he found that even though hundreds of missionaries from uh, Europe and America going to China, they were faithful. But they never made the first basic truth clear to the Chinese Christians. What was that? That was the assurance of salvation. They translated the Bible. They taught people the Bible and they preached the gospel, but they never pointed out the believers in Christ could have and should have the assurance of their salvation. So Brother Nye found the Bible for the truth. Today, let me tell you, in the far east, among all the. Chinese, Christians, everybody believes the assurance of salvation. From that point, Brother Ni was fighting on and on until he released a truth. That is, Christ is our life. Taking Christ as life. This is the second thing. So, you have to realize... To be fundamental, you have to be fundamental in all the truths. And among all the truths, it was there in the first five centuries, the three big mysteries, the mystery of the divine trinity, the mystery of Christ's person, and the mystery of man's deification. But after the first five centuries, gradually the Christian teachers dropped this.
1: Ed, when you were presenting the, uh, the basic items of the faith, those six things a moment ago, I think we touched the first two of these three great mysteries he just referred to, the triune God and the mystery of the person of Christ. Of course, you gave some good development and details. But this third matter, you and I talked about a day before last, and that was that incorporated in God's full salvation is this item that many of the early church fathers referred to as deification, deification. Uh, the element of divinity being added to humanity. And I'd like to pick that up again and spend the rest of the program, if we could, really developing this and making sure that it's clear because we don't want to stumble or be misunderstood or leave ourselves open to be misrepresented on such an important matter.
0: Right, Chris. And if you look at the history of the church, of course, there was the recovery of the revelation of the triune God, the revelation of the person of Christ, But the early church fathers, they also taught very strongly this matter of deification. And I'd say up until the 4th century, by the 5th century, it seems like this thing got lost. And it's so critical because it's really, we're talking about God's heart's desire. Chris, one early church father who was a great defender of the faith, his name was Athanasius. And Bible scholars, theologians, they know who Athanasius was. He's very respected. And he really defended the deity of Christ, that Christ is God. He was uh, battling against the Arians who did not believe in the deity of Christ. And it's interesting, his contention with them, he said, if Christ were not truly God, how could he make us God? So that shows in those days, deification was a common thing. What he was fighting for was the deity of Christ. Now it's just the opposite today. And Chris, we want to emphasize when Athanasius said this and when we use the term deification, we are not saying that we are made God in the Godhead. This is a great heresy. Only God is worthy of our worship, he is the unique object of our worship. But when God comes into us, he dispenses himself into us as life. We are partakers of the divine nature, mm-hmm. according to Second Peter one four. And then he grows within us. Colossians 2.19 says that we grow with the growth of God. So the more we enjoy God in Christ as the Spirit, he expands within us. He doesn't grow in himself, but he grows in us. And as he grows in us, we're deified. And what that means is we're made more and more the sons of God. And then in 1 John 3.2, it says that when he comes back, We will be like him in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. will be regenerated, transformed, and glorified. Chris, there is a a marvelous verse in Romans. It's Romans 5.10. This verse shows us God's complete salvation. On the one hand, Romans 5.10 points out that we were once enemies of God. Now, because he redeemed us on the cross, we have been reconciled to God. We are at peace with God. But Paul goes on to say, he says, much more we will be saved in his life. This is what deification is in the scriptural sense. It's Christ comes into us to be our very life, to regenerate us, to make us sons of God. This is the beginning of our salvation in life. Then he sanctifies us. What is that? That means he adds, dispenses his holy nature into our being to make us holy until eventually we become as holy as he is. He even charged us, be holy as I am holy. Right. So we get saturated with his nature. Then we're transformed with all of his riches. And, of course, Second Corinthians 3.18 says we're transformed into his image. Not only that, as he's dispensing himself into us, we're conformed to his image. We are shaped inwardly into the image of the firstborn son of God. This is Romans 8.29. Eventually, he invades our mortal body. Our mortal body is swallowed up by the divine life, according to Second Corinthians 5, 4. And we're glorified, according to Philippians three twenty one, so that we fully express Christ and we become exactly the same as he is in life, nature, and element, and expression, but not and never in his Godhead. And this is just marvelous. It is marvelous. So, Chris, every day we need to be saved in his life. On the one end, we're saved eternally. But every morning we should have a prayer in us, Oh, Lord, I need a daily salvation today. And this is why we call on the Lord's name. This is why we say, Lord Jesus, I need you. We call on the Lord's name. We're saved. We're not just saved eternally, but saved from our temper, saved from all kind of negative things. And not only that, saved in God's organic salvation So that not only do we have him as life, but we have him as life abundantly dispensed into our mind, will, and emotion to transform us. And Chris, he is the all-inclusive, bountiful supply of the Spirit in our spirit. When we contact him, when we say, Lord Jesus, I love you, he dispenses himself into us as the bountiful supply. And spontaneously, we are transformed into his image, eventually we're looking to that day where we will be glorified and that will be our full deification to be the full, mature, glorified sons of God for God's complete expression in this universe. This is God's heart's desire. So this is a great thing, and we need to see this. And I would encourage our listeners to get the printed message because it's a lot fuller. You can read it. You can consider it. You can get into the Scripture references and be fully grounded, not just in the truth, right, but have a revelation of God's heart's desire and live in his heart's desire by walking according to the Spirit so that you can be a part of the Bride of Christ to end this age.
1: Ed, if the listeners would get this message, we have uh, some of these quotes even by these early church fathers in addition to Athanasius, others, Thomas Aquinas, of course, very famous, Irenaeus, I believe, second century church father, who saw these things and spoke them commonly, and then as we've pointed out, this matter was lost. But in, the, uh, in these days, it just seems so clear from the way that the Word is being opened up to us day by day, and it matches our experience. God is really communicating to us, imparting to us His life and His nature, though never His Godhead, as you said. But we certainly have a portion, don't we, in His life and nature, making us the same as He. We're being transformed into the same image.
0: We do, Chris, and it's so marvelous. First Corinthians fifteen forty five says that Christ in resurrection became the life-giving spirit. So that's his, you could say, his career within us is to give, give life, life to our whole being. He gave life to our spirit when we were born again. And now from our spirit, when we contact him, when we pray, when we fellowship, when we're listening to this broadcast with an open heart, a turned heart, he gives life to our mind. He gives life to our will. He gives life to our emotions. Eventually, our mortal body will be swallowed up by life. This is what we're talking about when we say in the proper biblical sense that we are being deified. It means we've been regenerated, we're being transformed, and one day we will be glorified. This is God's eternal purpose.
1: And we, Ed, will become exactly what Paul refers to in Romans eight twenty nine: his many brothers, the same in life and nature.
0: Yeah, isn't that wonderful, Chris? We will be fully conformed to the image of the firstborn Son of God for His glory and His eternal expression.
1: If you'd like to contact us about getting these printed messages, I'll give you our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and EPUB formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, BlackBerry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.